right, here we go. Welcome in, everyone. Just another sports podcast. Greg Swatek, Josh Smith, uh, joined once again by FMP sports writer Joe Ferraro. Josh, welcome back from uh, yeah, vacation. I'm so I'm tired. Like I, I my body, like it's always my body is always shocked by getting rest. You're, you're uh, you need a vacation from your vacation. Yeah, like I have. Yeah. Then, what I, wanna, I don't know if you guys are like this, but when you come back from vacation and you resume the god awful hours that we work, like your body is. Just, it takes it takes a while for your body to readjust. Yeah, vacation can be exhausting sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's truth. Yeah. Need the vacations after the vacations. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, we're in a sort of a lull in the sports calendar here. There's not a ton of stuff going on. Um, so, luckily, over the weekend, we were treated to a pretty good uh, men's uh, Wimbledon final. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where we'll start uh, with, with the instant classic between Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. And anyone that's listened to this podcast uh, for a long time uh, knows that Josh and I are unabashed uh, supporters and fans of Roger Federer, Joe, I believe, I, I believe you're very high on him yeah, as well. All three so, of them. All three yeah. of them. Well, yeah, um, and uh, sort of a, I mean, it was a great match, but it was sort of a bummer of a finish for all of us, just because yeah. Djokovic wound up winning, and, and and Federer was so close. I mean, he had two match points. He was serving. He was going to do it. Number twenty one was it was right in his grasp, and as it often does in these. Nadal Djokovic matches the moment just completely slipped away from him and yeah. uh, and <laughs> that was a lot of time invested into a match that that <laughs> didn't end the way any of us wanted to so we'll all do and we, and we all respect Novak Djokovic uh, sure as, as a player but um but yeah I, I felt like man that was five hours of my life that I'll never get back and you were watching on a delay which I thought was hilarious you I didn't realize you had turned your phone off I guess I should have figured that out because you weren't texting me during it well and so I figured maybe there was something going going on there so I wasn't texting yeah, I, you either. I, I had something I, I started watching the match then I had some something to do uh in, in the morning so then I came back to it and was yeah. watching I was about an hour behind and I turned my phone off because my phone is constantly set to vibrate um so I I, I didn't want You'll be distracted. I, I, I didn't want the phone to be buzzing, and me not knowing what the buzz is. Yeah. It could be a text. It could be a call. It could be anything. Then I pick up the phone, and then there's the yeah. there, there's the result staring me in <laughs> the, the face. Right. And even if I turn my phone off, vibrate. I didn't want bells. And uh, I was watching on delay, so if suddenly I got like a flurry of like dings and yeah. beeps and stuff. Then I knew like something might have been going on. So I just wanted to do a. Get rid, eliminate the distraction and just watch the match. So get get rid of all those Google alerts. Uh, yeah, saying, exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, Djokovic wins Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I was trying to avoid. I was trying to like because I would be curious about each buzz yeah. and ding, and then I was going to pick up my phone and then get the results. So that that's the thing I was trying to avoid, and that's why I turned off my. Well, phone. we had we had been down at the beach, and we did not plan to leave until Sunday evening, but. I had been sick earlier in the week, and I was essentially just – I was just ready to go home. So I told my wife, let's pack up our stuff. Let's get in the car. You can drive. And I used something that I've never used before. We have DirecTV now, which is what our TV service is now at home. It's all – it's we stream all of our television now. And you can get that on your phone. 
So I just logged into the DirecTV Now app on my phone, and I and she drove home. And the I, I'm not kidding you, three and a half hour drive home, even with one stop, I watched a tennis match on my phone. Like I've never done something like that well, before. What was your son doing at the time? Oh, I don't even. He was like sleeping half the time. I, yeah, okay. I was I was in I was totally enthralled by, so, the, so, by so, the match. But so. so you weren't charged with keeping your son nah. enter, entertained or he's anything got, like that. Yeah, he's so. got books and he sleeps in the car, so. I was able to focus on it, which was pretty cool, watching it on my phone, something I'd never done before until we got home. And then I spent another hour and a half watching it at home, the end of it. Does that drive up your data, though? I mean, no, that? no. That's I mean, cool. Well, no, I, guess it, no, I guess it does. We have a certain amount, and I guess we try not to stream stuff that when we're not on Wi-Fi because it does drive our data up. But whatever. I was, I was not going to miss it. Like, if I had to pay an extra – if I had to pay an extra like fifteen or twenty dollars this month for my data plan, I'll I'll do it gladly because I had to see that. The amazing thing to me was in this five-hour tennis match, like Federer never really had the lead in the match. Yeah. I, I guess he served first in the, in the first set, so he was playing from ahead in the first set, and I guess he went up the service break um, in in the in the uh, fifth set there. So he technically had the lead, but it didn't. It never felt like he had a lead. You're it right. Felt, it felt like he would play the entire five hour match from behind, and, and and Djokovic just would not give him the opening that he he, he did get the opening he right. needed. But then Djokovic quickly shut it down, and that's why he's become you know, the greatest player uh, you know right. in the world because he plays those those key points so well. That's what Federer always used to do until Nadal came on the scene, and he just he could not he couldn't win those points against Nadal, and that's sort of been his mo against Nadal the duration of their rivalry and also against Djokovic where he gets these points they're right there it's right there for him and he just he can't I don't know what the what what happens obviously he's a little older um but he was as sharp as could be the other day he was and I think I texted you I said he outplayed Djokovic he did he, he was hitting shots that he hasn't like some of those drop shots he was hitting were just ludicrous I mean other so there's no one else in the world that could hit some of those shots that he was hitting and uh he just wasn't it was just those big moments that he wasn't able to capitalize. It was I almost cried when he had those two because as soon as he didn't get as soon as he lost that game, I'm I'm like, there's there's no way now. Like that he's not gonna be able to come back from that and win this match. You know what? Uh everybody ten years from now, people are gonna remember those two match points that he had on his racket. But I I think that that first set tiebreaker, I think that's where he, in my mind, yes. that's that's where he lost it because he had the mini break and just tried to, tried these, you know, super duper out of this world, uh, you know, uh, tough angle yeah. shots instead of just uh, being consent w- w- with just uh, extending the rally. And you know, he had Djokovic, you know, nailed on. He, was, he had him on the baseline. He just tried this this. You know, extremely difficult. You know, you know, cross court, tough angle shot, and of course, of course, he missed it. Uh, yeah. he, he always tries to do too much. Yeah. In those in those big moments, and he he had the mini break, and and that's where he tried to to put it away, and and uh, I, I think that was that that was more important than than the two match points. They kept saying, and this was that's a good point you make. They kept talking about how if if Djokovic wins the first set, like he does not lose matches. So I think Federer probably had that in the back of his mind, like he's got, he's got to you know do something to seize this set, and he just he did a, tried to do a little too much. Yeah. And yeah, you guys both made the point. Like when Federer beats Nadal and Djokovic, he wins the first set. Yeah. When he loses the first set, he almost never, and he's playing from behind. He his almost five never, set records against those guys. He almost is not never good. wins the match when he drops the first set against those guys. So I thought. 
Joe just said it, and you, and you said it too, Josh. That winning that first set was critical for Federer. He did it in the semifinals against Nadal. He he won the tie, the first set tiebreak, which propelled him uh, to the eventual win in four sets. But man, when you when you lose that first set and he starts playing behind against those guys, and all his good play is devoted to getting back into the match rather than building a lead and closing the match out. It, it it makes such a difference. So you could you could argue he lost the match when he lost sure. that when he lost that yep. first set tiebreak. I think so. Uh, right there, and um, and now the Grand Slam count: it, Federer's at twenty, Nadal's at eighteen, and Djokovic uh, went went up to sixteen with with his back to back. Uh, Wimbledon wins now, and, and, and he's the youngest uh, of the three by a year. He's younger, right. well, you're younger than Nadal, and, and Federer's about to turn thirty eight. And it all just turned 33, and Djokovic is 32, going on 33. So I hate to say it, but it, I think both of them will pass Federer with, with career slams probably. Honestly, with the, if, if Federer wins – I'm sorry, if Djokovic wins this, this upcoming U.S. Open, you, you could make the case for it then, you know, just because you, you look at, at his career. He won three slams in 2011. He won three slams in 2015. And if he wins the U.S. Open, that'll be three slams there. So he, you could make the case he was at, he's at the top of his game, you know, over uh, a nine-year stretch. Uh, you know, that kind of a gap. You know, Federer, he had he won three slams three times over a four year stretch. I think it was what oh four to oh seven he pulled that off. But you know to do that eight years after you first did that that's 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 remarkable. Right, and the other it's thing remarkable. Yeah, the other thing is you can you could say in the argument for Djokovic as being the greatest of all time is that he's won he's won all of these when Nadal and Federer are still playing at yeah. an incredibly high level and, and, and he's beating them and he has the head to head with both Nadal yeah. and Federer. And don't forget Murray is thrown in there and Del Potro and some other big name players whereas early in Federer's career and his reign he wasn't really he didn't have that rival he was he was piling them up you yep. know before Nadal came on the Against scene basically Andy Roddick and right. Andre Agassi and Mark Philippoussis yeah those sorts of guys so <laughs> I, I mean I, I agree with you like it's I would say the same thing I hate to say it but he's going to be considered the greatest he's going to have all of the gr- more grand slams than than the other two and he's he's going to be considered the greatest of all time and it's largely because of what it's those key moments he just does not yeah break in those key I, moments. I, I, I want to get into that too but i wanted to get into another point you raised josh like will you view djokovic as the best player of, I, of, of the three even though he has ah, the most man. slams and and his track record speaks for itself will you view him as the best player of I, the three? I just have such a soft spot for federer i just <laughs> i i love everything about the way he plays and just the like that word is elegance like he he's my favorite athlete to watch ever like I just love to watch yeah, he's, him. He's play. one of my top mm-hmm. three athletes of all time. Yeah, three favorite athletes. Yeah, of all time. I mean he's easily up there in my top three. And I would say he's you know over these last several years he's just I just love to watch him. There's nothing more I enjoy than watching him play tennis in sports. And so it's going to be really hard for me to ever say that he's not the goat. But the the records I think are are going to say otherwise. Yeah, I mean we we talked we talked about it like. Djokovic isn't the shot maker that Federer is, or yeah. the, or that even the doll is, and and the doll Federer plays with the elegance, the doll plays with the brute force. Yeah. those are probably the two top shot makers, shot makers. In, in the history of tennis. Those two guys right there, but Djokovic, just his ability to win big points is something like we've never seen. It, it's off the charts. He's now won a six-hour Australian Open final against the doll, and the longest Wimbledon 
uh, yeah. final in, in, in history, too. The guy just does not break on big points. Yeah. And he just doesn't give you anything on, on the huge points. He's won two majors being match point down against Federer. Like he was, Federer had match points against him in the U.S. Open, and Djokovic hit some scorching forehand or whatever that that ultimately propelled him to, to the title there. And now, and now, what we just saw this weekend. So he's he's won two majors being match point down against Federer. So the the guy, his his ability to play big points and just get shots back, and just his consistency in the moment is in in, in big moments is just off the charts yeah so. federer and Djokovic. the one thing that stands out to me is just the, the, the ability where he seems like he's fully stretched out he's totally on the defensive and suddenly with a flick of the wrist he goes cross court and he he, he, he turns it to, to, to offense immediately that's uh it, it's eye-popping how how he does that where where you know n- normal guys just uh just try to get it back where mm-hmm. he, he's he, he's he's fully stretched out it doesn't seem like he should be and, able to hit a winner from and you, you don't see that and, and you're like okay he's just gonna get it back nope he's gonna just power a, a cross court winner against you and uh, it, it, it happened on one of the match amazing points. it happened on one of the match points federer came in probably a little earlier than he should have on yeah. the ball and Djokovic ripped the forehand past him. uh right right past him in, in, in the, uh, a cross court forehand right past him to, to stave off one of the match points so here's here's the thing about Djokovic you have to consider though like will he have uh, the, the the Grand Slam records because for as great as Djokovic is, he also has this tremendous ability to like completely go away and disappear mm-hmm. for, for long stretches. Like prior to last year's Wimbledon, the guy was struggling to win any tournaments and, and struggling to even stay in the top ten uh, in, in the world. And then all of a sudden, he wins a big semifinal match against Nadal and 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 then beats Kevin Anderson of all people um, in, in last year's Wimbledon final. So. Uh, but but he does tend to go away for long stretches, and and that will that cost him at, at some point down the line. Now, one of those stretches where he he went away was 2017, and it's kind of amazing with all three of these guys. Uh, is is he had, he had the elbow injury, yeah. so so that really you know stopped him. You know, Federer and Nadal have had these you know knee injuries, where all three of them at a point you're like, wait a minute, are are they going to come back? And, 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 and they did and were able to you know to win majors after they did it's it's just uh i'm just going to try to soak this up as long as i can it, it's, yeah. it's quite amazing all, all three of these guys yeah i mean federer hurt himself giving his kids a bath or whatever he like slipped in slipped in the bathtub and, and that cost him uh I, I think two or three majors so yeah well i mean we Djokovic has he gets dinged a lot. You see more than anybody, I guess, of these great players. Like you see the trainers come out and tend to him. Yeah, he like and he, he like, plays he plays that up. I think he like looks out on his feet sometimes. He like does he, like he's about to fall over. And I sometimes think some of that is an act. I don't. I don't know. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think he plays games um, with with his with like like what's perceived injuries or or whatever being just being <laughs> lackadaisical. Um, and Ma- I think it was like McEnroe was making a good point. It was like he fell behind in that second set, I think it was, and he he just totally mailed it in. He was just like, you know what, I'm, this set is over. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna win it. So he just basically gave up on the set. It looked like he was, you know, maybe he wouldn't be able to recapture, you know, his magic, but he did because I think he just he just basically shut it down in that set and was like, okay, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for the next set, basically. That's what he did. Like, I, who who else can do that? You know, like, oh, I'll just I'll just pick it up in the next set against the one of the greatest <laughs> player of all time. And, and, and he's willing to give the crowd the business too. Oh, he uh, does. Yeah. In, in, in the yeah. semifinals, he lost the second set to uh, Roberto Batista Agut, 
and uh, and the crowd was obviously applauding the effort of, of his <laughs> opponent and Djokovic like was mockingly like sarcastically yeah. like saying come yeah. on cheer more for my cheer yeah. more for my opponent so <laughs> so but he he invites that like he 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 invites people to like uh jump jump all over him and stuff right. with, with with his antics sometimes and and I'm not really a big fan of the Djokovic antics really I, I think he's a great enough player on his own that he doesn't that doesn't need that stuff but um but um, another classic final. I mean, you can now argue that Federer's lost the two best matches he's ever played. Yeah. So as great as his career has been, as great as he is. I mean, the 2008 final and, and that final, two, maybe the two best Wimbledon finals ever, and Federer lost them both. What do, so. what do you guys think? So we, we have these, these three, obviously Djokovic and, and Nadal are 33, 32 and 33. So they're going to be you know playing at this level probably you know as long as they stay healthy. For a few more years, can they can they stay healthy? Fed, I mean, right, yeah. Federer most likely is you know is, is going to start to wane a little bit. You have to think he's probably not going to be able to make it to the, too many finals as, as in that, comparison. That, that was the that. frustrating part about him blowing yeah. those match points is like when is he ever going to be yeah. in that position again, if ever? But so. my but my question is like, are there who are the young guys that are going to come up to challenge Nadal and Djokovic? Uh, none of the, it doesn't seem like there is a a a group or a class of younger players who are sort of on the precipice they're not there yet there's still a couple of them that are like a couple steps away yeah, yeah. The, but they, they just don't they have the talent they just don't have the consistency yeah i mean and that and that's what we've highlighted repeatedly with these guys is like the mar- the margin of the margin of the the talent gap between federer and the number 100 guy in the world is very Minuscule. small yeah like like these guys win at a remarkable level even though that they could that one little thing goes wrong and, and they're going to lose. So the, the the talent gap is so small between these guys on tour, and the fact that Djokovic and Nadal and Federer are winning all the time is just remarkable. I mean, you have Sasha Zverev, who's been talked about. You have Dominic Team, who's actually been in Slam mm-hmm. Finals before. Those are guys that are are seen as maybe the next wave or part of the next yeah, wave. Stefano Tsitsipas, the, uh, yeah. the Greece player, he's he's in there as well. Right. Uh, but I, I think I think a big thing also is that for some of these younger guys, you know, someone like Team, who you could see him, you know, winning some French Opens. He, he's really good on that surface, but. On top of that, all these players, you can't single out one that's that's going to be good on every single surface as well. And that's that's another big part of it, too, uh, as far as the gap between the big three and, and all the others. Those three guys, uh, you know, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, are, are very good on, on all surfaces. Yeah, I mean, Dominic Team after making the French Open final, I think he lost in the first round of Wimbledon. So right. just, just the, con- the talent is there, just not the consistency uh, uh, w- yep. w- with everyone else yet. So. I don't know if you guys got the women's final or not, but Serena Williams was completely steamrolled by uh, Simone. It was Hallow. over before you knew it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I turned it on and sort of like watched it as I was drinking my coffee, and it was over. It was literally like over. It was under an, an hour. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it was like fifty-six minutes. And, right. And the thing that really touched me about that match was uh, the post-match interview with Simona Halep. I became a big fan of hers because she just had this really endearing yeah. speech about how it meant so much her for her to now be a member of the all England club and her mother grew up saying, um, if you ever want to do anything in tennis, you have to, you have to play the Wimbledon final, which, which, uh, she did like just her joy and her appreciation of the moment was so great. And just everything she's overcome because coaches have left Simona Hallett because they said that she was too negative on the court. They like wanted nothing to do with her. They said, we can't coach you, but 
she talked about it in her post-match interview and in just the various interviews she did after she won. She said, I've, re- I've really had to change my attitude a lot on the court and just be thankful I'm out there rather than just bemoaning everything that goes against me or doesn't go my way or whatever. So she's had yeah. a complete attitude adjustment. And it was just really cool to just, just to see her growth as a, as a human, not just a tennis player. And playing on a surface that she despised. I mean, she was she was not a fan of grass. Like uh, it, she loves to run, and grass doesn't really allow you to play long points and and run that much. So, uh, so just to see her win that tournament in the way that she did, and just her endearing personality come out after the win, I, I thought was really cool. So yeah, she seemed like this giddy schoolgirl me- meeting all the royals. I saw and, that. And, and everything. It was uh, yeah, as you said, endearing. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was it was it was great. It was almost like you've just won Wimbledon. Right. Here's what you won behind door number one: a chance to meet the royal family, <laughs> uh, the chance to meet the royals or whatever. It, it, I I just it was it was it was fun to watch sort of the post match of, of of that uh, uh, ladies final. Do we, can Serena can Serena break through here and finally get this? What is it, number twenty four? Twenty four, which yep. would tie Margaret Court, yeah. who who played in an era where there were amateurs. Yeah. The tournament fields were much smaller. It wasn't an, wasn't the open era yet? But right. I I mean, we he, she keeps making it you know pretty far in some of these tournaments and just doesn't seem to have enough. I just don't know that she's playing enough yeah, she had, to she be did, able to get it done. She has, she hasn't won a major as a mother yet. I, th- I think her last major was the Australian Open of 2017, 17. where where she was pregnant and she won it. But she hasn't won as a mother yet. Yeah. So, and, and she's she's going to be. I think she's 37. She is. Yep. Soon to be 38 uh, too. So, uh, so she like Roger. Uh, how many how many more chances are they are they going to get? That's my point. Yeah. Uh, now, the, now the depth on the women's side is not nearly what it is on the men's side. So that will keep Serena in. Yeah in it longer but um i mean she's not dealing with other all-time great players i mean say what you want about serena who i mean for all intents is the greatest women's player ever i mean she didn't really have any great rivals that 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 she grew up playing whereas um the top three men's players of all time you could argue all played it all Mm -hmm. played at the same time so well, the her sister, you know, Sharapova was good for a couple of years. But Sharapova on, never but she beat, never, she she never could beat not her. Beat her. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, it wasn't I, a rivalry. I still give her a good chance just because uh, you mentioned the depth, Greg. I mean, just the the consistency for, for all of these players from Simona Halep to Naomi Osaka. She, wow, she, she got bounced. Yeah. Uh, you know, Garbina, Muguruza. I mean, they haven't they haven't been consistent. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they win a major and then they, they go away. So... You know, Petra Kvitova, you know, same thing. You know, they, they look like they're world beaters, and then the next major rolls around, and, and they're not. Mm-hmm. So for for that reason, I uh, I give her a strong chance. She'll, she'll probably win another major. I, I think she'll get to 24, if not 25. So just just because the, the, the field in women's tennis is just not as nearly as strong as it is uh, in, in the men's game. So... Um, so one of the other really cool stories of the last week was uh, the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, their their extended city title there, uh, played their first home game since the unexpected death of their uh, pitcher, um, uh, Tyler Skaggs. And in their first home game, everyone wore the number 45, which was Skaggs' number, and the team beat the Seattle Mariners 13 nothing while throwing a combined no-hitter. I mean, it, it was like, I mean, one of those fate, Star, the stars aligned. Yeah, one of those meant to be moments. Yep. That that was that game. So I thought I thought it was one of the coolest uh, things that's happened in sports in a long time that the Angels were able to pull that off for them. So it's too bad. It did, you know, well, and it's, 
obviously he's still got a lot of attention, but it was a it was a West Coast game, right? So it was happening late, and it was it was, it was televised, um, and and people were well aware of it be, just because of the news that it, yeah. Skaggs' death had made. But still, Trout I think homered in the first inning, yeah, and and to score all those runs and just um, their their pitchers, uh, uh, Taylor Cole and F- Felix Pena, just combining. I think they used an opener. I think uh, yep. I think Cole was the opener, and he threw two two uh, innings, two yep. innings, and then Pena came in and threw seven no hit innings after Cole left. So just <laughs> the stars aligned, and if, if it was like one of those meant to be moments, really yeah, pretty cool. Thirteen runs, uh, I think, what the day before his birthday, which was the thirteenth of, yeah, of, of July. He would have been he would have been twenty eight. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, the cause cool the, stuff. the cause of death that wasn't released. Um, uh, for that, uh, not yet. So I, this reminiscent of uh, D. Gordon hitting a home run in the you know the first at bat after you know the Marlins their Marlins first game after their star pitcher, what was his name? Jose, Jose Fernandez. Fernandez. I knew it was Fernandez. I can remember his first name. You know, it was another moment that was just like, of course, like that's should ha- that should have happened. You know, and um, I mean, just a beautiful thing. Yeah, when it comes not to not everyone believes in divine intervention, but 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 moments like that yeah. have to have have to exactly. make you have to make you wonder. So. Um, I thought we could maybe revisit um, part of our baseball discussion last week with, with Josh, and that's just all the home runs that are being hit in baseball now. <laughs> and, and, and baseball has acknowledged that, that, that there's something different with the ball, like something has yeah. changed with the ball. It's not creating the drag that, that it normally yeah. creates. And, and you've had pitchers like Justin Verlander go as far as saying Major League Baseball has doctored these baseballs to – to jack up the home runs. And then you have people like Rob Manfred say, no, uh, the owners actually don't want home runs. And, and Joe and I threw Rob, uh, I threw Rob Manfred on the boat last week because the idea that these owners are scoffing at the number of home runs being hit, it just seems, it just seems yeah. cr- crazy to me. All you, need to do, all you needed to do was watch the home run derby. And I know that's what they're trying to do, but they just hit home runs. But, the fact that these guys were just cranking them out right and left at like some incredible numbers that they put up when the guy who's throwing the pitches is throwing at like 60 miles an hour or something like clearly there is something going on with the ball. Uh, and, and, and baseball claims, well, we don't know what happened with the ball. Right. Like we, we don't know. It, it, don't it, buy it. it. I don't buy it. It's, it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, well, I mean, well, it's good for the, it's good for the, I mean, I guess it's good for the game to have all these home runs, but it's changing. It is really changing the game uh, as as we know it. With um, you know the strikeouts being up and the it's just everybody's just just hit going for the long ball and um, yeah the the, double, the doubles the triples the yeah. singles the the base running all that the bunt all that stuff is being the strategy all that stuff is being taken out of the game changing right before our eyes yeah right. I, Josh you mentioned the you know the strikeouts I think it may may have just been a way of combating the ridiculously mm-hmm. high strikeout totals uh oh you know we've got this issue our, our guys are have struck out more than ever we need to <laughs> kind of level that out by by having a few more leave the yard and yeah. And and have them go out at like 475 feet. I mean, it's so, some of these home runs that I've seen. Yes. You know, right? I mean, every every day I watch highlights. There's some ball hitting. You know, getting hit a country mile, or as it, it happened. <laughs> you, you know, it would happen once every five six days. Now every 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 game you, you see you see a ball going 50 feet behind yeah. the center field fence, and it's like whoa. <laughs> And you got all these pitchers with these quizzical looks on their face, too, you know, as if to say, wait a minute, I, I threw a good pitch and it got hit out of the park. It, it, yeah, it's easy to see behind the scenes the, the owners and 
and the baseball executives like doctoring the ball and then realize, oh no, we've made a big mistake here. Right. Now we have all these 500 foot home runs being hit. Now what are we going to do to sort of like swing the pendulum the other way and, and to sort of get a hold of this thing that they've done with the ball? But but it's just it's just hard for me to believe. And, and we we hammered it last week, so we won't this week. But like the the baseball didn't know that something was happening uh, to I, the ball. I will say this as I watched the uh, the home run derby. I, the night before the home run derby took place this year, I was totally out of it and sick. I couldn't sleep, so I had the ESPN on. I'm gonna I'm gonna nail ESPN in a couple a couple of minutes uh, also. But uh, they re ran some older home run derbies, and Chris Berman was the was the voice obviously <laughs> oh my god i was laying there trying to go to sleep and was needed something on the television and i he was unbearable well, just, let me let me guess he said back back the, back a few times just the <laughs> idea that people thought he was good at what he did is laughable to me like he that guy was terrible and uh they played a couple of uh, pre they they did uh, a couple of old ones that he was the announcer for, and then they they re-ran last year's, and it was like, oh my god, it was like ten times better when it was a Carl Ravitch or whoever it was was. I think Ravitch does it. the home run yep. derby. It was now. just like, oh, it was just like a million times better. The the broadcast quality was just so much better with him on it, but uh, it was still fun. Like I, I remember, I can't remember which year it was that they played. It was like Frank Thomas was in it and Barry Bonds. It must have been like ninety five or something like that. Um, so that was pretty pretty neat to see for back in the day. Another revisit from last week, just to get Josh's take, uh, are the Clippers the team to beat now oh, in the God. NBA with, with Kawhi Leonard and yeah. P- Paul George? I, I don't know. I, I don't have a, a definitive answer to that uh, other than to say uh, uh, regarding the NBA offseason, I like I like the way it has gone. I, I, I like the fact that there are now more teams that are competitive and more teams that could Keep they, LeBron James from winning any more titles. They, they fi- yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, which we, is really all I care about. They, fi- they sort of finally have the parity that they've yeah. long sought after. Right. So, it, so I'm excited seems, to see, yeah. you know, if that continues um, as we as we move into the future, where the, it's not going to be a the super team so much anymore, as it's going to be, you know, maybe a, a, a star pair, you know, surrounded by a stronger supporting cast, you know, um, and that'll that'll sort of like. Uh, that'll spread the wealth a little bit in the NBA, which I think will be more entertaining, even more entertaining than it already has been. It's a great sure. league, but that's sort of the way I feel about it. Yeah, here's a here's a NBA related headline that caught my uh, that caught my eye in the past couple of days. Do five dollar clearance big baller brand T shirts spell the official end of Lavar Ball's brand? LA Sports Radio, a Twitter account dedicated to the LA Sports Radio scene, spotted a big baller brand booth. At local volleyball, at a local volleyball tournament volleyball. over the weekend. So he's got a booth at a local volleyball tournament. And the company appears to have everything in must-go mode because they had a big clearance sale signs um, at, at this local right. volleyball tournament. Uh, and they were offering merchandise for for $5. So, so what, high school girls are trying, right. trying to sell and, them the and, big baller T-shirts? And, and this article pointed out that Lonzo Ball is uh, wearing Nikes. Uh, he's covered up his big baller brand tattoo. He's he's gone. He's left L.A. now, yeah. and and he's in, he's in, he's suing the guy that uh, he went in that the, the Ball family went into partnership with over fraud. Mm-hmm. They, they they claim this guy stole a bunch of money from him. So so is is it the end? Like will Lavar Ball will is, he slink away? Are are his fifteen minutes of fame finally fi- finally Ooh. over? So yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how much. Uh, 
inventory they have <laughs> that they need to get rid of. How, how many five hundred make money? How many five hundred dollar pair of yeah. shoes do you think that do you think they sold? Maybe like three, <laughs> if if that. <laughs> He's so. got a lot of sale, a lot of cut rate sales to make to 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 get in the get in the profit zone. I think. Hey, lots of there's little league tournaments in LA. I'm sure volleyball tournaments. Uh, yeah, set up a stand at, at, at the beach for beach volleyball, and there's lots of lots of opportunities to sell this big baller brand. He was a charter. He was on, a charter on, member of the on, boat. The, yes, he went he on the boat right away. Yeah, he probably should have been in the black hole at some point. Yeah, but, uh, we, we, he we, hasn't, we, we never launched him. So. Yeah, he hasn't piped up lately. So I'm sure he'll say something really stupid soon that we can fire him into the black hole i don't, I don't think he's gonna go away i don't, I don't know why you're gonna blast the espn but it, it's because of espn that he's never gonna go away well, because if any, if anything ever happens with any of his sons they will get they will get on the horn and, and see what he has to say about it and yep. that, that's not gonna go away yep. yep all right so who are we throwing on the boat this week josh i'll let you start because you sort of hinted it Okay, yeah, that, that, and that's where I was going with the ESPN thing. So, again, I, I was ill at the early part of the week during my vacation. It was just terrible, and you get sick when you're on vacation. It was awful. So I'm sitting around, and, you know, it's a beautiful day out, and I'm just watching television. And I, I turned on – of course, I watched the hell out of Wimbledon, but I also watched a little sports center, which I never watch because I just think it's terrible. And there was a, a highlight – package they did of Wimbledon and I think the guy's name is John Anderson yeah and he was on with uh who's the old guy Kenny Maine he was on with Kenny Maine and it was a it was a highlight package about Novak Djokovic's quarterfinal win and he kept calling him now first of all Novak Djokovic is known as the Joker, that's one of his nicknames. And he's also known as Noel, which is what he's known as. Mm-hmm. Noel. Noel. Right, to, yeah. his, to, his, to his family members and close friends. That's what they call him. He's sort of known as that as well in the tennis world. This Joker, John Anderson, started calling him DJ Okovich. Now, is that John Anderson, J-O-K-E-R or D-J-O-K-E-R? Yeah, I, I don't know. But he called him DJ Okovich like 10 times in a row. And he clearly thought he was being really funny and original. And it was incredibly annoying because that ain't his name. And he has two other nicknames that you could use if you would like to call him by a nickname, you moron. You, I, you just confirmed why you don't watch SportsCenter yeah, anymore and, it's, and why none of us really like right. SportsCenter anymore. So, so that guy can go on the boat. I think his name was John Anderson. He wears glasses, and he's probably been on ESPN he's, forever. He's, he's, nor- he's normally pretty good. But, yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty weak uh, tangent yeah. he went off on there. So I was annoyed. Sorry. Yeah. So that's who I'm throwing on the boat. Joe, do you have someone? Yeah. Um, well, he, he's been in the news for a, for a while right now. I guess this has resurfaced, but I, I guess he, you could have put him on the boat when uh, when, when this first came about. Uh, David Price of the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the little spat he's had with, with Dennis Eckersley because two years ago, oh, my gosh. And I believe all, all Eckersley said, this is uh, in reference to Eduardo Rod- Rodriguez. I think he'd. He'd you know, come back to the Red Sox. Uh, he was on rehab assignment. I, I believe that's the case. But uh, you know, that aside, he had a rough stretch of games. And they had a little graphic on the TV and showing his stats, which were not good, you know, ERA uh, you know, above eight. And I think Eckersley said something. He, he said, yuck. Oh, yuck. Yeah, that's, that's you know, he, he's been having a rough go. And then, 
you know, they, they get on the team plane and, and, and David Price berates him, you know, mocking, you know, cursing at him, mocking him, telling him that, you know, they get the F out of there, uh, you know, get, get out of the plane or get away from the players. And, and so it's like, wait a minute, uh, you know, if, if the stats show yuck, then it's yuck. I mean, you have to take the criticism. He, he, he never called, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez the worst pitcher in baseball. He just said that he wasn't performing well. And so, <laughs> and, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that. Right? No, there, there, there's, it is what it is. And so, so now this, this has resurfaced for, for some reason. And, and so it, it, it's still hanging around all because of this ultra sensitive David Price. Yeah, so he was in the news again. Price was was piping up against right. again against uh, uh, Eckersley. As, as, yep. Yeah. Did you also want to throw Chris Berman on the boat there, Josh? Because no, he's, he's he's not on he's, yet, or is he just he's, he's just, retired? He's, he's so he's, irrelevant now that he, he doesn't even matter. Yeah. So. I mean, if he would if if we would have done this segment three years ago or four years ago, he would have been a charter member too, probably. Right. Uh, before I give you mine, um, I had a somewhat of a local baseball question to, to ask you guys. Can you make a case that the Washington Nationals are the second best team in the National League right now? Mm. Well, they're the second best Boy. team in their division right now. I don't know that they would be right. the second. Are the Braves the best team in the but, National well, League? Well, I'm basically at, I'm ba- the, well, the Dodgers easily right. have the best record. But like, who the, the question basically is, who's the next who's best the team next in the National best League? Team. Is it the Braves? Yeah, yeah or is, it, is, 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 is it the Cubs who are leading the the Central? Joe's Cubs, best, best team in the National League. I mean, you, you still have to go with the Dodgers. I mean, they have uh, all all of these teams really in the National League have issues with with their bullpen. You know, the Dodgers. You know, Kenley Jansen isn't nearly what he he was when he was you know uh, this uber dominant uh, closer. So and and they've got some other issues with setup men. But you know, I, I'd have to put them there. Number one, Braves. Number two. Okay, so the, uh, that, 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 that's what that's what I was getting at. Like, we'll we'll give you the Dodgers. They have the best record. They're the best team. I think most people would agree. But who do you like after the Dodgers in the National League? Is it is it the, is it the Braves? I, I I do I do like the Braves uh, just because of the uh, the addition of uh, of Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I mean, he you know combine him with uh, Max Fried and, and Mike Soroka, who have done really well. Uh, you know, along with the fact that they've they've got uh, hitters up and down the lineup, and they've added this uh, you know Austin Riley comes up and hits like 17 home runs or something along those lines over his first 40 games. They're they're stacked up and down, and and their closer uh, Luke Jackson is underrated. So. So they're they'd be at number two, and then I you know I'd put uh, I'd put the Cubs at number three. Yeah, I think the Nats have a pretty big stretch coming up here. They're playing the Orioles tonight to end a two game set, but then they go to Atlanta, I think. Yeah, and then they're gonna I, I can't remember who else they have coming up, but it's a couple of series the, the, right the, in a row. The Dodgers, the Dodgers. and the, Ro- the Dodgers and the Rockies yeah. are, are both on the and like the next week they'll play, they'll play so, them too. Yeah, so give me a week, and I may put. Uh, yeah, the Nats. Well, I raised the question because the Nats have been like the hottest team in baseball, yeah. and 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 they have three great starting pitchers. Strasburg's pitching as well as he ever has. Scherzer's been the best pitcher in baseball for the last month. He's on the injured list right now, but he's set to come off soon. And then when Patrick Corbin's your number three starter, um, it's pretty good. And then they also have a good hitting lineup too. So, like. Can the Braves hold off the Nationals? The, 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 the Phillies have been a big disappointment so far with, with Bryce Harper. Um, so I'm just this saying is, – This is the way the Nationals – what we were we were expecting out of the Nationals, quite honestly. Right. Was, is it not? 
Right. I mean, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they lost Bryce Harper, but they still have a fantastic lineup. Right, and that, that's why they were so willing to let Harper go, just because they had people to replace him with. So, and 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 they and they got off to such a shocking slow start that that I, I think that their season sort of correcting itself now by with yeah. them playing so well. And I think you hit it on the head with the, with their starting rotation like that. Any team with a rotation like that, especially in the National League, I think is uh, they had to mess up a lot of stuff to not to not make the playoffs. It's it's their bullpen. I mean, they've had one reliable relief pitcher all year. That's Sean Doolittle, and mm-hmm. and, and and they've they've tried to address it, and they probably will at the trade deadline yeah, I too. I mean, they they, they signed uh, Fernando Rodney to, to kind of give him another proven uh, arm in the bullpen, and, and and you have to think they would make a move for another relief pitcher of some sort at the more. deadline yeah right they, uh, but they, but as joe pointed out lots of national league teams are struggling with their with their bullpens yeah you know, right now yep so. yeah, giving up uh, all those 450 foot home runs so <laughs> and then uh, another guy Anibal sanchez has done really well for for, for the nationals as God, well. that guy's been around forever too they got two guys like that sanchez and rodney right. is yep. four, 42 years old there I, I did not realize until i read the story in the post this week that the Nationals is the oldest team in the in major league baseball yeah and that's with scherzer who was 30 some years old on the dl or il excuse me right yep so who am i throwing on the boat well yeah. uh, well another headline caught my eye this week and that is that production has apparently already hit a snag in space jam <laughs> 2 oh boy now, I mean, is this a sequel or is this a remake? We had this discussion last night, yeah, didn't it's we? Like, my, well, my first question is, and I've always thought this when I've heard this story, story persist over the, in recent months, is why do we need a Space Jam 2? To make, to make it actually a good, a good right. movie? Right, and, and, and this is starring LeBron James. Like, LeBron is the star. of The Space Jam is being built around LeBron, and they'll have Anthony Davis and I think some other good NBA players supporting LeBron in this movie. But look... I'm as big a Michael Jordan fan as, as, yeah. as anyone. I love Michael Jordan. He's he's in my top three favorite athletes of all time too. But Space Jam was not a great movie in itself. <laughs> it was Michael Jordan versus Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I went. To Wait, s- wasn't Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley on his team too? Right. It, it was like Bugs human. Bunny's it was like team. humans against these monstrous Looney Tunes or whatever. Yeah. And I went to see Space Jam because I love Michael Jordan. And I'm like, eh, I probably didn't really need to see that movie. Wait a minute. What year did that come out? Do you know? Like uh, how old were you when you saw that? That that was in the height of the Bulls run. That had to have been in like 1996, yeah, like, 97. Was it that late? Somewhere I thought it was in, in, in the early 90s. No. I, I never saw the movie. Neither did I. Never well, saw the movie. Joe, you're not missing anything <laughs> by having, having not seen it. But we don't need Space Jam 2. I can't believe you went to go see that in the movie theater, Greg. That's well, sad. That's sad. Yeah, well, I love, the trailer. I, I love Michael Jordan. You were so. swayed by the trailers you saw on television that that you had to go see. This I had movie to see who was going to win one cartoons and Michael Jordan. I, I had to see who was going to win the one on one battle between Bugs Bunny and, and 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 Michael Jordan. So, but we don't need a Space Jam too. <laughs> and the, and the fact that like producers are already bailing on this on this movie is not is not, is know, not like indicative is, of this is timely. We went to Walmart last week to. Uh, Find to find a couple of movies, some cheap movies to buy because we didn't have. Yeah, they had that like five dollar yeah. bin or whatever. So in the no, it was like a three dollar eighty three cent bin, whatever it was. Space Jam was in there. It, and it, it, I wouldn't pay five. So my son was like picking through all these movies. We we're trying to find a good, you know, kids movie for him to watch. I was like, hey, buddy, I'm like, check this out. This is Michael Jordan. I'm like, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. He plays against. He plays in a basketball game to like save the galaxy or something against a bunch of cartoon characters. What do you think? And he's like. Nah. 
that was it. Like it was like no, he didn't even consider. It was like that doesn't sound right. interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's Space, smart kid. Yeah, Space Jam is not worth five dollars. So the so whoever came up the producers of Space Jam two, whoever came up with the idea for Space Jam yeah, two, well, even though they want to make a movie with LeBron, which I understand to some level, but it doesn't need to be Space Jam. Yeah, that they are going on the the boat. Whoever conceived the Space Jam two ideas is, is, is Bravo. Going on the boat. I, I like that's so. an excellent pick. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna flame out. I mean, it, there's no way that's gonna if if the movie sees well. the light of day. Yeah, so because um, because LeBron doesn't have the star power. I don't I don't think that Michael Jordan had to tell really? Space Jam. He's trying to beat Michael in some way or another. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. So, seen or to be seen, and my scene won't be space. And my scene won't be space jam. So, <laughs> I got a couple. Uh, one's a movie, and one's a, an article. I watched. So we went. Like I said, we went to Walmart, and we were trying to pick out a movie for my son to watch. We we picked out one for him, and I was picking through one of those that bin, and I found a. a I couldn't believe that I this had this had passed me by. It was a it was a World War II movie made in 2014 called Fury. And it was starring Brad Pitt, and he was the commander of a uh, a tank unit in World War II in Germany. I have no idea how I did not know about this movie, but I was like, I'm buying it because it looks really good, and I, I like Brad Pitt. Uh, the movie was unbelievable. I, if you've never seen it, like I don't know if you like war movies or not, but I look, like Saving Private Ryan is like one of my favorite all time movies. This is this is right under that in terms of war movies that I've seen. It was fantastic. Um, it was educational in some ways. It was, I mean, it wasn't based on a true story, but um, I'm pretty sure some, you know, it was obviously very true to to things that happened um, in, in World War II during that during that time. So if you ever get a chance to see Fury, it's called. It was excellent. Um, and the, what I read, what that I wanted to share was, it was in the Sports Illustrated this week um, with the cover of the U.S. women's soccer team. But within it, they had a very – John Wertheim wrote a very succinct story on Coco Golf, the 15-year-old female yeah, that I, took I, I read it, Wimbledon yeah. by storm. And the point I want to make about this is uh, something that I strive to do as a writer and that I think not enough people – value is is what we call deep writing and you can write a deep story in not very many words and this was a two-page spread so an si it was probably like a thousand word story i want to say it was like i was going to say like 1200 words max something like that so it was not a very long story it was like i said two pages by si standards right by si standards for sure but you learn everything you need to know about this young lady and he wrote it masterfully, as he always does. And his ending, which I, 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 I value endings very highly. And the ending, I don't, do you remember what it said, Greg? I, I, I don't off so the top she, of my head. So she's going to take time off between Wimbledon and her next tournament, which is likely to be the New York Open. The New York Open, the U.S. Open in New York. Yeah. And so the end of the end of the column or the end of the story says, and when she returns, she'll come back to. Uh, I'm not. I'm just paraphrasing here. She'll come back to a tennis world that has gone coco, co- cuckoo for coco golf. Yes. I, 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 yes. Right. <laughs> Playing on the coco puffs commercial, which I thought was and, genius. And, and coco golf probably eats coco. Probably right. Yeah. So the tennis world has has gone cuckoo for coco golf, as right. L, yeah. L. John Wertheim says. Yeah, it was an excellent story, and, and yeah. her. Uh, 
her mother, I think, ran track at Florida State, yeah. and and yeah. her father was a was a football player. And her father coaches right. coaches her. I don't right. know what his background is, or whether he's you know going to continue to coach her as she so continues she, to progress. She comes but, from good athletic genes, yeah. and, and and people have been talking about her for a long time. It's just now that she finally is realizing her potential, and and, right. and no one expected her to get to the fourth round of Wimbledon uh, as a fifteen year old. So, yep, uh, Joe. Well, uh, I'm 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 the low hanging fruit guy when it comes to these, so I, I'm I'm going to go with the British Open, uh, you know, more so for for the course there at uh, Royal uh, Portrush. Uh, hope, hopefully, I'm I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it's it's fun to see, uh, you know, those courses out in Ireland. You know the you know the deep bunkers, the you know the the sloping uh, greens. You got you got the ocean there in the background. Uh, just uh, yeah, like to, like to see guys, uh, you know, hitting some shots into those bunkers, not and not not being able to see the hole and and everything. Uh, looking forward to it. You're you're a night owl like 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 we are, Joe. Are, are you, will you be up at like two a.m. watch watching <laughs> that? Watching, I'm not going to do <laughs> w- w- watching the early round coverage. No, of the, no, of the, no, the British no. Open, it, so. It's just more, uh, you know, the the the, the links course. Yeah, so. I was going to say. Yeah, you guys know my thoughts on golf. I don't have a lot. I don't care about golf. But jo- I, Josh will not be up at three no, a.m. watching. But the British I will Open. say this: the only golf, the only the only major golf tournament that I enjoy watching is the British Open, and it's because the guys struggle so much. And number one. They struggle so much. And number two, they're in crappy weather. Those poor guys are in forced to deal with wind and mist and bad weather and fog. Those yeah. poor guys who spend like 350 days of their lives in pristine, gorgeous conditions have to go play golf, Yeah, along God with, forbid, uh, in some bad weather. Yeah, the wind is coming off the sea or whatever. So Yeah, I, so it, I, I appreciate that. Will – Golf be better off if Tiger Woods oh, uh, wins the British Open. <laughs> <laughs> golf be better off. <laughs> does, does golf need Tiger to win the British Open? God, so. God, yeah. It's your your fa- your favorite. It's on its last ever. legs, right? right? Like golf is. If if he doesn't, I, I think it's just going to go away. It may fall off into the ocean and in, in in, 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 into the sea, right? Yeah. Yes. Poor, um, poor I, golf. I was going to go with the British Open too, and the thing I was going to say was uh, a scene, and that was also just Simona Halep's post game interview. Yeah. Look, look, look it up if you can, just because the pure joy that she speaks with about w- winning this tournament and just how she's changed as a person is is uh, re- is really remarkable. So I, I I just found it to be a great post match interview. And those are the moments in sports that we love. You know, you have to you have to love those moments. It's like. Uh, you know what we saw with the U.S. women's soccer team and the celebration that they had, and uh, this this young lady realizing her, you know, her lifelong dream, and even what happened with the with the Angels and how you know what they did at the end uh, of that of that no hitter, taking their jerseys off and landed on the mound. Like these are the things that it's not necessarily the action that's happening that's you know on the court or on the field or whatever. It's it's the reaction afterward that yeah. is so touching. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew uh, Simona Howell's been a top-ranked player for a while. She's she's won a Grand Slam. She won the won, won the French Open in 2018. So so I've known of her for yeah. a long time, but I didn't really pay that much attention to her. But but this post match, this endearing post match interview she did sort of made me a big fan of hers. Cool. Uh, now. Yeah. So it, it reminded yeah. me of uh, Juan Mar- Martin Del Potro when he beat Federer at mm-hmm. the at the U.S. Open and. 
And it was, uh, that was also, uh, you know, endearing, you know, just the, here's this big, you know, giant of a man, you know, looking over at Federer. He's like, hey, um, you know, I've won this one, but I, I want to do this uh, forever and ever. He looks at Federer, he says, you know, I, I want to be like you. All right. I mean, that, yeah. that, that that's good stuff yeah, right there. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. All right. Uh, anything we missed here, boys? Or not a lot, are not we a done? lot going on, man. Yeah, not much. No, we need we need more stuff going on. Uh, football season is right around the corner. Training camp will be underway yes. uh, around this time next week. So looking forward to that. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been just another sports podcast.